Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Man, I am really excited. The weather is awesome right here in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, hey, listen, like always, we have yet again another really awesome, cool new best friend of the show. Uh, She's going to bring so much energy and insight and you are in for a treat. So this is one of those shows where you got to get like probably an extra notepad, right? Because there's going to be a lot of tips and tricks and strategy and motivation and, and, uh, and you're going to absolutely love it. So I'm excited that we get a chance to talk with um, uh, our new friend, Kristen, before we jump into the program though, we always start the same way. And so we'll do that here. And that's just with prayer. So Lord, we just ask that you bless the show, uh, that you bless uh, the sponsors, the guests, all the, the the pieces and parts, and let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Uh, friends, today, Kristen Beal is with us, and she is an author. She's a producer. Uh, she's a paralyzed athlete from Rich, Richmond, Virginia, and, and she's also a literary agent, right? So for all of you out there that are writing books or wanting to write books or have a hope to write yet another masterpiece. Uh, She has some exceptional skills with that. And she is on the program. She does a lot of other really cool things too. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This This is great. Thank you for the intro too. Yeah. Hey, so tell our audience a little bit about your life. Get us up to speed on on all the wonderful things because you've already published books. You've already been uh, providing coaching and and inspiration and motivation to folks, but it probably didn't start yesterday. I mean, there's a story. I want to hear it. There's a big story and it's a good one. So um, get ready for this. We're starting back in August of 2005. I was... 14 years old. I was about six days from turning 15, about seven days from starting my sophomore year of high school, um, kind of like the last weekend before my sophomore year of high school. Um, So it was a big time in my life. It's already a very challenging time in a person's life, a teenager's life. Yeah. Um, But then throw what I'm about to tell you in the mix. So I went to to Lake Aston with three of my friends, one girl that I had known since I was a kid um, from youth group. One boy who I'd met on a youth group trip the weekend before had a really big crush on him. And another guy that I knew from school that I'd seen at school, never talked to, didn't really know very well. Um, So we went to um, their lake house, Aubrey. It was Aubrey's lake house and then Field and Mark. Mark was, Field was the guy that I had a crush on. Whatever, we'll get to that. Um, On the last day of our trip, had a good weekend that I don't really remember, but I assume that it was very fun. Um, and on the last day of our trip, we spent onto two jet skis. So it was Mark, my new friend, driving me, and then Field, my crush, driving Aubrey. And a combination of a no-wake zone and Field's and attention um, resulted in a jet ski accident where Field and Aubrey, their jet ski was on top of mine, mine and Mark's. And Mark fell forward on died on impact he was the driver of my ski and i was um the passenger and i was turning around to say what's that noise slow down and i was hit in the middle of the back right above my rib bones uh, right where your rib bones stick out 
and the side of my head. So I had a traumatic brain injury and a spinal cord injury. Um, but they also said, you're not going to die. You're just like Mark. You're going to like, we'll take you to the hospital, but you're not going to die. So um, and you're not going to live. So they called my parents. Um, the hardest thing I can ever imagine. My parents were, um, we live in Virginia, but my parents were vacationing, you know, Maryland or something, the furthest way they can get from North Carolina. And <laughs> they rushed down to, for the doctors to say, she's not going to live, but you know, here she is. Come say your last goodbyes. Um, mm. And I had a long list, um, you know, a, a double digit list of things that were wrong with me. And they said, um, when I get to that, they just said, she's not going to live. I'm sorry. So this, she, this, she's not going to live beyond those first hours, those first, that first day. So then the first day passed, I lived, by the way, Field and Aubrey were unhurt, were unhurt thank God. Um, but Mark was already gone. Um, and I lived past that first day. So they told my parents, she might live. Um, great. I'm really happy. But she's not going to, because of her traumatic brain injury, she's not going to she's going to be a vegetable um and if and when she wakes up she's not going to breathe on her own she's not going to talk she's not going to swallow on her own she's gonna like be lost to you um you know here's your daughter you don't have to say goodbye but kind of like say goodbye in a different way um so my parent my sister too i have a sister um, my parent my sister my parents and my best friend and her family were all there you know, saying goodbye to me. And, um, and I was, you know, I was in a coma, I was out. And, um, so I lived beyond those first weeks. Um, so they changed their forecasting a little bit and they said, and I, 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 I lived and I started to breathe on my own. I started to wake up a little bit. I don't remember this part because I had short-term memory loss. That's why I don't remember the weekend too. You know, I assume it was fun, but you know, that's why I don't remember that. Um, and they said, okay, she might, breathe her own. She might be able to swallow. She might do all that stuff. Um, but we are, but we are saying she's not going to move or feel below her injury level, which again, is these rib bones that stick out right, right below your breastbone. Um, so, you know, her life is going to be a lot different. She's in a wheelchair forever. Have like, have a good one. <laughs> and they said they, so since I could breathe on my own, they transferred me over to MCV in Richmond. So I was closer to home, closer to friends and everything my community um and i still was not awake so they transferred me there this was september of 2005 i believe so i had just passed my birthday and my 15th birthday and um i was transferred over to mcv in richmond they kept me for you know a week and they said she's breathing on her own she's okay enough you know we need this room so they put me over at children's hospital um, also in Richmond. And that is where in this, let's see, in October of 2005, about two months after my accident, I woke up, I started to talk. I started, I mean, albeit slurred and, you know, whatever, because I had the brain injury, I started to talk and kind of be cognizant. I still had short-term memory loss. So I don't remember that. And I, you know, had my parents have told me some funny things I said, or like crazy ways I've acted, um, that I don't remember at all. And I can't be held responsible for. Um, so I woke, I started waking up in October and one of my first memories was Halloween in the hospital, which is just as fun as it sounds. Not at all. Um, my best, my two best friends came, came to visit me and we did like a reverse trick-or-treating, um, which was like give candy to all the kids who, probably couldn't eat it in the hospital because they had you know ventilators whatever so we gave candy to the nurses and some of the kids and that was my first like 
I have friends, I'm experiencing the outside world, what kind of what it was like before my accident, but I'm also in this hospital. And, you know, so it was kind of bittersweet when my friends would come to visit me, I would have um, two friends come visit me almost every single day until December 13th, when I got discharged. It was such a blessing. My community is awesome, um, which was great, but it was also kind of like experiencing the outside world that I couldn't leave with them. I was stuck in there in the end. Um, so it was hard. It was a lot of emotions. Like I said, already very challenging time in a teenager's life. And then I'm going through that. I'm relearning how to um, sit up in my chair for 30 minutes at a time, have the arm strength to brush my hand, to brush my teeth, um, and you know, put on pants by my like in my chair by myself. That took a long time. Um, and then when I got to more challenging, like off-roading in my wheelchair and pushing around, you know, the hospital for more than 30 minutes, I was completely weak. Weak. So while all my friends were getting ready for a high school prom and homecoming and all that stuff, I was relearning how to like go to the bathroom and like brush my teeth. So it was very much, you know, mature. It, it forced me to be mature very quickly. And it also, more importantly, it forced me to um, practice my faith in God that I had had since I was a kid. I've always been to youth group and I've always, you know, I had a strong faith in God, but I'm also I also had a very easy life and I was never really challenged because, you know, my family's great. My community's great, you know, um, but then this happened and it was kind of which way are you going to go, you know, black or white to God, push away or be angry and push away or lean on him and kind of experience what is in store for you. So I chose mm. the latter. Um, I went to God and I was surrounded by my family and my friends and my community who all kind of supported that. They supported me. And my dreams and my big dreams, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, and so that's kind of why I kind of skipped the like, why me angry God stage. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Anyway, so I got out of the hospital on December 13th, um, kind of still broken, but you know, I could push around in my wheelchair, I can off road a little bit, I could do some wheelies. And I went to two weeks out of the hospital. I went to California to a place called Project Walk. I stayed there for a month and a half. Remember, they said no feeling and no sensation below my injury. Um, so my parents said, you know, yeah, right. Thank God for them. And I worked out um, four hours a day, five days a week for a month and a half, came back. I could wiggle my toes. I could start to feel pressure. Um, wow. And it was crazy. And then I, um, I've been back there nine times. I've been to Dominican Republic to get stem cells twice. Um, and I've been to a couple of random places like Ohio and Florida for working out. And I can crawl, walk with leg braces and a walker. I can feel pressure. I can wow. wiggle my toes, my feet, my butt, um, you know, and my, my bladder control. I'm starting to be able to have the feeling of bladder, the sensation of bladder control is starting to come back to me, which is amazing. I'll take that over walking any day. So it's kind of like, it's been a lifelong never giving up and never say, never accepting when people say, you know, you can't do it. That's very much easier said than done um, because it's 16 yeah. years past my 16th anniversary um but it's it's just amazing what like faith and perseverance and determination and all those keywords that everyone shouts mm. out at us but it's so real um wow yeah i mean like okay so now i have the the both blessing and burden of unpacking what <laughs> is in an, an enormous story um <laughs> So, so let me, let me go back to, I believe you said the accident took place in 2005. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 2013, you were still in a hospital. 
Oh, did I say that wrong? December 13th of 2005. I think I said I'm that I'm sorry. Wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe I heard it wrong. I was going to say, my goodness, is that a long time? That, is, that was like quite the stay. Um, but so 2005, you are now nearly 16 or so years removed from that moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and all of these sensations are coming back to you and, and, and maybe all of the words of it's not going to, and it can't is probably coming back to you. How do you feel every time the toe wiggles? Like, do you remember the person that says that it's never going to happen? Like, do, do you relive Is it like these mini celebrations every single time? Or are you 16 years now? You're like beyond that. Maybe you had that the first two times, but or is it every time the toe wiggles? So it's kind of like people who live in san diego california like they see like or like arizona or somewhere beautiful like they see this like majestic you know awesome experience all the time and they just become i'm a little bit ashamed to say they just become like kind of numb it's just like something that they see or just like something that happens to me so i don't like not as much as a celebration which you know my bad but like but it's 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 become more of a commonplace which is awesome actually that's awesome yeah something that I see and I say um, it's so my brain injury was on my left side. So my right side doesn't move as much because of the, how the brain works. And so it's something that I can see my left foot moves more. So it's something that I can see and say, my left foot is moving this much. Let's make my right foot do it or let's just do it. So I see it less of a celebration, more of a, let's make this bigger, which like, yeah, like a know. progress report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, um, how do you take that? Right. Which is in my opinion, quite the miracle, like just, just an amazing amount of supernatural awesomeness mixed with medical science, smartness mixed with perseverance, (laughs) dedication, commitment. Like this is quite the recipe of a delicious cake, right? It's got all the (laughs) stuff that you want, but how do you take that and serve that to folks? How are, how are you living out life today, pouring inspiration and insight into others? Because it, I know you're not just sitting on the couch watching Netflix. I know that I I can tell. Um, Well, I love to, well, two answers to this one. I keep going. I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, get out of the hospital and do the California stuff. um, And kind of like, I'm not, let's see, I'm not living a normal life just in terms of like, I'm about to do this year alone. I'm a crazy person. I'm about to do my 10th through 13th marathon. I'm doing four Uh, marathons this year. I'm a national competing wheelchair fencer. I'm like, never stop moving. I'm writing my fourth book and I'm just kind of never giving, never taking away my opportunity to share with people through my books and to um, reach people through what I do, whether they're saying, oh, wow, Kristen, you do marathons or they're saying I do them too. So kind of reaching people that way. Um, I love to speak at places. I just talked at a, you know, and, um, sorry, a national invest meeting of invest- real estate investors. You know, I'm way out of my depths because I'm <laughs> real estate investing, but I can connect to people through my story and share and everyone can relate to my story in some way. Cause everyone's gone through some kind of, you know, junk in their lives. Um, yeah. so just, speaking to people and reaching as many people as I can and doing as many things that will attract more people into my interest bubble. I love that. 
Amazing. That's yeah. so cool. And so your website's pretty straightforward. It's kristinbeal.com, right? So mm-hmm. that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-E-A-L-E.com. And when folks go there, there looks to be lots of ways that they can connect with you. To tell us a little bit about some of the books. Um, you know, I see one of the books is called Date Me. I want to hear, I want to hear about what that is, but <laughs> Um, a million sons. I mean, you've got a couple things that are pretty cool in here, but can you kind of tell us a little bit about the books and what we can expect to enjoy when we, when we get our copy? Yeah. So greater things is my first book. That's kind of like the book that started my whole like extreme happiness. Cause I'm an author full-time and that's the best thing. It's the best job in the world. Um, and that's the story of the weekend before we meet field, the guy I have the crush on until my accident, all that stuff until about college 2012 2013 when i graduate college um and it's just like the things i do the things i try i've tried every sport available out there other than basketball for some reason um (laughs) and i've done all this cool stuff and i've have all these unique perspectives like coming in as like you know learning how to brush my teeth while everyone's going to prom you know those kind of things so it's a really unique perspective that's greater things so i published greater things i quit my job at a real estate um i mean a um I'm sorry. Yeah. Real estate company the month before my book came out, just kind of saying, God, I hate this place. Like I'm not interested in real estate and I want, I don't hate, I don't hate anything, but I'm not interested in real estate and I want out. I want to be an author. So I quit my job the month before my book came out and I said, please, you know, provide for me here. Um, and then, so three, so the greater things were the great success three months after the book came after the, after greater things was released, I said, I have to either get a job or I have to write another book. What is something that I know a lot about, of, know a lot about, I can speak to, I do a lot. And the answer was um, going bad first dates. <laughs> so date me was born. I went on 32 dates in two and a half months. Absolutely crazy. Don't recommend it. Um, that's like four dates a week, different guys, like no interest in a relationship by the end. And just like chasing the story because um, I'll say... 31 out of 32 boys were like overly sexual, like rude, have no manners, asking me invasive questions about my disability, like just, you know, every array of that. So I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn this bad thing. I'm going through this stuff that I don't want to go through, but I'm going to make some money on it. I'm going to turn it into a good thing. So (laughs) so Date Me is Born. So I turned, it was, Date Me is a comic book. Um, It's six panel comics. So it's all the dates that I went on and it's things like, I have a comic that's like the classic jokes people make when they see people in wheelchairs. Like you should get blinkers on that thing. Like, are you obeying the speed limit? Like it's not offensive, but it's just like not funny. It's just yeah. not funny. Um, so, so it's things like that, like, like wheelchair related. That's also funny and related and um, a little bit relatable. And that the exciting part, I'll get back to the exciting part. My third book, a million sons, the a million sons that came out in 2020 that's kind of a continuation of um, greater things, but the theme of it is finding my passions, getting back the passions that I lost with my disability. So, spoiler alert: we have um, hand cycling. I'm about to do my 13th marathon, and um, fencing. I'm a competing fencer, and then I met my husband, um, who I met him at church. You know, nothing, nothing to do with all the dates and stuff. Lesson learned. <laughs> um, met him at church a year after the couple years after the book came out. And it's kind of like our story because we have like a kind of a cool story of how that happened. Um, but then there are lots of other fun and funny chapters and everything. Um, okay, so back to date me. This <laughs> is back to date me. I'm, I'm getting all jumbled. Back to date me. 
that is being actually turned into a TV show, which is very exciting. That's um, cool. And if you go on my website, there's a link to the first episode. We have um, flown the girl who plays Kristen all the way from California. We have um, four different, in the first episode, we have four different guys coming in for seven dates with me. You know, everything is completely um, as it happened. So I'm kind of, you can see it as like getting revenge on these guys by like exposing <laughs> their rude behavior in my book and now in a movie too. Yes. Um, yeah, we've cast, um, it's kind of like a Taylor Swifty kind of thing, except the literary version. Um, I like we've it. cast my, my dad, my best friend, you know, the dates and me. And we just recorded the second episode. Um, and so anyway, the first episode is on YouTube. You can check that out. And throw us a couple bucks on Patreon if you want to. If you don't, it's fine. Just enjoy it because it's out there for free. Um, <laughs> that is so cool. Well, how, how how are you how, how are you um, helping people uh, kind of reengage with their passions? Right. So maybe someone's story isn't um, with the particular level of trauma or experience that you have, but maybe they still um, walked away from or disengaged with a passion and. And, and, and now there's this opportunity or, or maybe there's not, maybe the opportunity is this episode they're listening to where it's like, well, maybe I need to kind of re-engage with my passions. How, how do you best encourage people to do that? Right. I, again, your story, uh, I mean, we all have a story and your story is so unique and so wonderful. And so somebody might uh, be sitting here right now going, man, um, if she could re-engage with her passions and like the, and cut all the excuses out, I can too. But then I'm sure that like, what I've learned is that inspiration sometimes doesn't last the drive home. Like we get all jazzed up on Sunday at church and then it almost doesn't make it home with us, like the feel goods. So what are some practical um, strategic things where it's like, Hey, if you do this and you do that uh, it'll take the emotion with, with some steps and then like this beautiful result comes from it. Right. Okay. So I have learned. So before my accident, I was lacrosse player, field hockey and competition cheerleading, you know, doing all those things, very athletic. Um, and then, so after my accident, after I discovered, discovered adaptive sports, I tried, they don't have adaptive cheerleading or adaptive field hockey or they might, but um, they have adaptive lacrosse. And so I tried that. I said, this is my thing. It was my favorite sport before. And now I'm doing again, hit in the wheelchair version. It's going to be great. Um, I did not like adaptive lacrosse at all. Mm. Um, and also before my accident, flashing back again, um, I did not like running at all. They're like, I it was just the worst thing you could ask me to do. I didn't like it at all. And now I done, I'm about to do my 13th marathon. So it's kind yeah. of my advice for, finding your passions and your inspiration, your tangible inspiration is to try everything. If you, when you read mm. my books, you'll see that I've tried almost everything except for wheelchair basketball. I mean, sports are my, are my outlet. That's what I draw yeah. to because I've just known sports my whole life, but trying everything could be like going to a festival or like talking to somebody or, you know, but just, just the general advice of trying everything to find what you um, are inspired, what inspires you or what drives you because, um, all this silly stuff like fencing and, you know, doing marathons is like, who does that? I would, that's nothing that I would ever do, but then I realized that I love it. So the whole greater things and a million sons both have themes of me just trying everything I can in its adaptive version, trying to search for 
the love and the drive and the life that I had before my accident. So it's just mm. a matter of just trying it until something lands. And I mean, for me, I didn't find um, fencing until about 14 years into my accident. And I didn't find hand slicking until about, you know, six years into my accident. Actually, yeah, six years in. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot, but it was, it's fun along the way to like try new stuff and, you know, do new yeah. things. But um, it took a lot. Once I'm now that I'm here at the thing, when knowing the things I love, you know, I'm, I'm the happiest person I know. I love it. So stay open-minded, I think is yeah. part of what, what you're saying there. Um, we've got Kristen Beal, uh, a multi-time published author. What a wonderful inspirational story. Um, I, we're going to take just a, the slightest, quickest break real quick. Uh, and then on the other side of it, I want to ask you, um, about your faith. I want to ask you how big and how important that was. And maybe, maybe if you'll let us in on a couple of the toughest conversations that you had with yourself and, and God and, um, and, and how you got through that, because again, everyone's story is different, but I think we all have some common shared experiences with you and in those moments. Um, Hey, here's the break though, friends. We just want you to pause for a moment and, uh, we want you to help us say thank you to the brands and the businesses that support the show that believe in the idea of personal development and professional growth. Uh, we don't charge anything for the show. We put it out to the world and it's so exceptional that you folks keep loving it. Um, and the, uh, and, and, and the message that sometimes someone like Kristen says something that moves you, that inspires you, that, in, that educates you um, and allows you to kind of be the better version of yourself is what, why we do the show. So if you'll go to team dash csg.com and just click on the solutions from the huddle tab. You'll see all the logos for all the cool companies that, that stand with us. Click on the logo and learn more about them. And you know that I wouldn't stand next to those brands if they weren't worth standing next to. Uh, multi-time published author and basically rock star kick butt person, mm -hmm. Kristen Beal. Make sure you go to kristenbeal.com. But Kristen, I want to know in, in, in the hospital, um, in your room, by yourself, in some of those dark moments and some of those quiet moments, what was that like? You know, I mean, what was it like in, in some of the, the depth of your pain to still um, not get too mad or not, or not get too overwhelmed or not, you know, too left or too right, but to stay somewhat centered and balanced and, and to get through it and lean into God? How was that? Take us into that moment. Um, so th that moment didn't happen for me when I was in the hospital because my mother spent every single night at the hospital with me for three, for three months. Um, and I was never alone in the hospital because I was surrounded by friends. I was, my mom was always there. My, my dad and my sister were always there when they could. Um, so I didn't really. And then once I got out of the hospital, I went to California. I was nonstop. I went back to school. I was doing mm. um, half a day at school and then coming home and do like half a day in the spring semester, coming home and working on the fall semester. It was insane. Um, and then after that, I've, and then, then I'm sorry, then I went to college. It was just nonstop. Um, but the darkness and the questions and the darkness, I guess, started when I came, when I went to college, I'm going into a new group of people who didn't know me before my accident, didn't know seemingly my whole story, didn't already love me for, you know, the person I am before. They're just, they're just knowing me as Disa the disabled, the girl in the wheelchair, like the handicapped girl in the wheelchair. Um, and so I had to kind of bring myself a hundred percent, which I guess everyone does when they go to college. But for me, it just felt like it was more difficult because I didn't go to college and 
you know, drink a lot, go to parties, like do all the stuff that normal college kids do because I am also, you know, working out so I can go to California in the summertime and, you know, learn how to move my feet. Um, so I feel like I was just on a different level, not higher or lower, just, a, just different. And um, so that's, it was very hard for me freshman year of college to make friends because I didn't know how to, didn't really know if I wanted to like mix into the crowd of my peers. Um, and that's when the darkness came um, my freshman year. Uh, I would, it was kind of, I've, I've gone through so much in my life. God, why are you doing this? Why are you making this difficult? Why isn't this coming to me? Why do I have a wound on my, you know, butt so I can't sit in my wheelchair? Why, why do I like, you know, wounds are kind of my thing. <laughs> like, why do I have wounds? Why do I still struggle with, you know, these small things? Why am I falling out of my wheelchair when I'm trying to get to class? It's just like these little things that happened to me that happened to everyone just seemed to kind of hit me more because I was also at the same time going through my first, my first time of like my disability is on a podium. Whereas before when I was in high school and at home, it was just kind of like, I'm Kristen, I'm getting through this. I'm working really hard, but now it's like, I'm Kristen, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm trying to go to college. <laughs> um, so that was, that looked like, that looked like a lot of dark nights and a lot of, a lot of crying and a lot of, um, I guess, lament, like self-pity for myself. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, cause that's, there's no, there's no use in self-pity. Um, but then, so software, so freshman year ended in, in, in college. And I said, that was the worst year of my life. I'm not doing that again. Sophomore year, when I come back, I'm not doing that again. Um, so, you know, as it goes, sophomore year started, I went to the first, um, the first meeting of the campus Bible study. I made friends. I made, I made like-minded people. I said, oh, everyone on this camp, because when I'm sitting in my room in freshman year, I'm like, you know, in the darkness, because I don't want anyone to know that I'm in there. It was ridiculous. I'm like, every other person on the campus is doing something fun, hanging out with friends, going to parties, whatever. But then sophomore year, when I go and I meet these people in on in small in the Bible study, I'm like, everyone is not like that. There are people like me who don't like to go to parties or maybe that had a bad year last year and they just hang out, you know, by themselves or with the roommates in the room on Friday night. And I can kind of find my similarity here. And that's when I started to kind of bloom. Of course, it all comes back to like God and my faith because that that's what brought me out of it and that's what kind of made me find myself and my personality again in the setting of college um but those thoughts and those things did come strong and they came very strong for a whole school year um freshman year and it was really hard and my answer to that was go home every weekend be with my family like meet my mom for lunch thank god i, I went to school close um I think I just wasn't ready to go to college when I went to college because I wasn't fully confident in myself and my disability. So I struggled a lot with that. You know, I think that we forget how important community is, right? And I mean, as a person of faith and 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 sounds like you are obviously uh, that as well, but um, we kind of get, you know, church and youth groups and prayer you know, circles or whatever, you know, churches call their particular groups. But um, we kind of, we get that opportunity to have like this spiritual community. 
but when you don't have that um, and you, you graduate from a high school experience, you, you kind of get into the world and you lose some of that. Right. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not like we're hanging out in the, in the hallways anymore and it's, you know, um, and so then you try to find it at your workspace and especially with the pandemic, you know, really isolating people. And I, I think that what I have seen in my experience is that humans uh, really maximize their potential when when they when they embrace community and even the most introverted people on the planet it's not about being around folks and yelling and jumping and and you know being bubbly that's i mean that's not what community has to be about but it, but being alone um has rarely been um the sentence that said right before and then they discovered or or then there was a massive discovery it was all by himself um there was a breakthrough just one person nobody like i just this idea of collaborative and community and togetherness always seems to get us where we where we need to be and it sounds like in your story every time that there was a turn it was your your home community was there your your church community was there your friendship uh were blooming and so it sounds like that's such a big thing am i getting it is that is that a big part of what helped get you to through all of it i never put those pieces together but yes i guess kind of i did because i can see the darkness of freshman year is when i was alone when i think Mm -hmm. about that of like alone, literally turning off my lights. So no one that I, I mean, no one, no one cares about what I'm doing, but like, so no one knows that I'm sitting in my room on a Friday night and just like sitting in the darkness alone in this like mm. old hardwood floor dorm room. <laughs> it was, mm. I mean, it's like, why did I do that to myself? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I also, what is the alternative in my mind? The alternative is go to this frat house, be carried up the stairs like be like you know whatever i went to one one fraternity one party what was my school was uh, was small so there was only fraternity parties on campus um, i went to one party in my whole um college career and it was just like people somebody spilled beer on my lap and like people and like it was just like the floors were sticky and it's on my you know tie this is like wheelchair complaints it's on my tires so my hands are sticky there's beer on my lap and it's just like get me out of here. And we had to, I had to have, I had to have like people that I recognize only barely carry me up and down the stairs. Cause it was also very inaccessible. It was just bad. And I'm like, why do I, why would I ever want to do this again? I would rather be yeah. in my room alone on a Friday night than go to a yeah. park. But you know, yeah. You know, I mean, as a person of faith, I think about the enemy, the, the adversary. Right. And I'm like, man, there, there's always these, these things that just, force me or force us to to go to the the dark places and like so for instance just hearing you say that what what bubbles up in me is like here are these indirect things that are just trying to get you to go back to being in an alone space it doesn't necessarily mean that like the party's cool and awesome and you should stay there or go to a second or a third one but just like whatever could possibly get you to a a corner alone Mm -hmm. it was like how do we get her there because we know that if she's in community, she'll be okay. Like it's so strategic that, that, you know, the spiritual warfare of life where the enemy is just always working, always on mission to put yeah. us in a position where we're not at our highest and best use or, or enjoying the strength that God's given us. It's he he's always on mission. And if we could be on mission, even half as, as much as the, that, that, that enemy is, man, I mean, uh, we would accomplish some pretty cool stuff, I think. And you see what I did? I said, I, I mean, I just caught myself. I just said it, but I said, I would rather be in my dorm room alone than out like at a party, which 
granted, I mean, the parties that I, the parties on my campus were only fraternity parties and they were small, yeah, like sure. people like just overdoing it freshman year of college. But I mean, it, even, even still in me, and that's how I acted. I said, I would rather be in my dorm room than be out yeah. meet, meeting people at this party. Cause this is yeah. like gross and dirty. And yeah. then I just secluded myself and I had the worst year of my life. So, I mean, yeah. it's all about finding the right community starting. That's in right. The, Yes, like like-minded people and people who aren't just like there to do the exact opposite of what I want to do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's so smart. Uh, Kristen, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for being on the program, um, for sharing your story, for writing your books and 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 for giving some some tips, man, and some direction to, that helps people go from where they are to where where God's called them to be. What's the website or the email addresses or the next steps that you want our audience to take as they maybe want to continue uh, their, their journey or following of you? Just tell the audience uh, as we come to a conclusion here, how they can keep being in your world um, long after long after this episode is over. Yeah. So I am. Um, so again, kristenbeal.com is the place for my books and you can watch a little video of kind of short video of my story. Um, I put out a comic Insta- we- a weekly comic on Instagram and on email every week. You can sign up for an email on my website on Instagram. It's greater things comics. Easy to remember. Maybe if you read the book um, and then also a little bit more complicated, I have um, you can find me on Instagram. My last name is now Gupta G U P T A. So on, on, on Instagram, I'm Kristen.gupta. Um, but you know, I think, I think the Instagram is also on the bottom of my website or my web page. So just go there first and then it's all a, a slot for everything. I love it. So <laughs> Kristen Beal, again, I'm going to just make sure that nobody misses the spelling, right? So it's K R I S T I N B E A L E dot com. And the website is awesome. Friends. I'm telling you, it's so easy to go to the different social media outlets to get a copy of your, uh, your favorite book to follow along. There's also some cool swag. I really love, uh, the, there's tote bags, there's coffee mugs, there's hoodies, there's t-shirts. Uh, there's lots of reasons to go and, and, and make sure you connect with our new solutions from the huddle best friend, um, Kristen Beal, Kristen, thank you so much. I hope you have a blessed rest of your, your, your day and your life. And I hope that maybe you'll come back after you publish your next book and come chat with us again. So fun. Thank you. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again. And we hope you'll join us soon.